man, I don't even know. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even know how you're supposed to preach after that. I'm all tore up. <laughs> I like, you know, it, but because it, it's real though, right? It's like, you know, that's what he wants. He wants. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants the the innermost part of who we are to be reconciled to him to be brought back i mean and that, that's the whole point that's why he gave his son his only begotten son what the, the the thing the one that was so most dearest and precious to him he gave father god gave him up in order to reconcile us we were astray from him we were incurring god's wrath you know do you realize that you were at enmity i was at enmity with god before we were saved we're enemies of god we deserve his wrath but he said you know what i love you so much my 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 prized jewel, my, my the the prize of all of the created beings that I made. He said he created us in his likeness, in his moral image and character. So the Bible means, and it says, you were created in God's image. You're an infinite being, and 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 he's just he he longs to have us be with him and be right with him. Man, I love that song. I, I can't I can't ever hear that song and not tear up. I'm like, man, Lord, whoo. It's good. It's good. God is good. Amen. All right. A couple quick announcements real quick, and then uh, we'll we'll get into uh, the message. So uh, Monday, uh, December uh, 11th from 630 to 9 at Santa Clara First Baptist uh, Church. Uh, Some of you may have been there before, uh, but uh, they they put on a thing every year around Christmas time, Bethlehem, and it's great. I mean, they got, you know, the Roman soldiers, they got the camels, they got the the beam of light that's shining up, you know, from the manger. And it's super cool, man. Just people come out and 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 it's free. It's a great way to just, um, you know, experience, uh, you know, what Christmas is about, the birth of Christ. And they do a great reenactment of it. So like I said, uh, the, we will be out there, or it says from 7 to 11. So um, I think there it's going on every day before that. But we as a church, if you want to come out, um, I know me and my family will be out there. So come join us. Um, we're going to have a blast. We, we've been, it's kind of like a little tradition we've been doing the last several years. So uh, please come out to that uh, if you feel so inclined. And, uh, you know, just be blessed, experience it, bring your family, invite a, invite a friend. Um, it'll be a good time. Um, one other thing, just some housekeeping, uh, if you notice. So we rent from um, Wellsprings, and um, they're always sprucing up the place. Um, but by the coffee, uh, just so you know, uh, <clears throat> that literature, that's stuff that uh, I would put away, uh, you know, that we wouldn't have out. We're not necessarily promoting that as, as far as Resilient Life Church. It's not anything to split hairs over, but that is their literature. So um, kind of just leave that be, and um, that's about it. Uh, so... It's interesting, right? This week, the Lord just was revealing to me over and over again, you got to open your mouth. <laughs> you got to open your mouth. Um, I, I get that we, uh, you know, our, our actions should show that we are Christians, but we also need to speak up. It's a balance, right? Because there's some that, you know, their actions sh- totally show that they're, they're, that they're believers. They, they're kind, they're generous, they're courteous, uh, they're, 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 they're quick to listen, they're, they're slow to speak, they're slow to get angry. But they don't speak up about Christ. They'll pray or they'll help someone pray and they ain't praying in Jesus' name. And again, I'm just going on what the word of God says. You should end your prayer in Jesus Christ's name because it is through Jesus Christ alone that there is the power within. There's all kind of gods, little G. 
So you can say, oh, I, uh, 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 thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. But it's like, what, what God, what Lord are you talking about? Imagine Dragons got a song called Make Me a Believer. They're playing that song in my work the other day. And it's like, you know, make you a believer of what? First of all, you know, a dragon is another word for Satan. So imagine Satan. I'm just saying, maybe I'm looking a little too deep into it, but I believe the Holy Spirit has given me discernment and understanding. And a lot of secular artists, it's demonic. I'm going to just call it out and call what it is. So that's why I'm saying we have to be able to differentiate what is of the Holy Spirit and what is of an unclean spirit and what is of the world. And so the Lord was showing me, speak up, (laughs) speak up. You got to speak up. And, uh, you know, I was hanging out with the client and it was Friday afternoon and and they're remodeling uh, one of the kitchens uh, at my work. And I seen this gentleman come in and out, come in and out. And, you know, you you could just tell he's a hard worker. You know, Um, he's kind of older gentleman. He's kind of got that sway like he's been doing this for a long time. Like, man, your joints probably hurt, man. You carrying a lot of heavy stuff. You you probably bending down a lot. Look like he's a carpenter or something like that. And uh, he had said something to me and I said, oh, well, I'm glad that you got at least one day off. I said, praise God, praise the Lord. And then just by saying that, that opened up a whole opportunity. And then come to find out this man say, he said, praise Jesus. I prayed to him every day. And so we had church for a few minutes, you know, just at my work. But it was just based on the fact that the Lord had put it on my heart. Be obedient and talk to this man. Don't just don't just let him keep passing by. Inquire, say something, you know, um, I know that works a lot, too, when maybe someone you're, you're dealing with is, is stressed out and they're having a bad day. Instead of going on the defensive and finding uh, something to, to point out of where they're wrong, compliment them. Find something. Maybe maybe uh, the, the woman has nice nails. And you say, oh, your nails are pretty. I'm just saying. Or, you know, the gentleman has a nice pair of shoes on. Nice shoes, man. Or, you know, whatever it is. But, but, but to, to not go on the defensive, but to go on the offensive and give them a blessing. Say something that's kind to them. Open up the door for the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak into their lives. And nine times out of ten, you'll find out that that will soften a person up. And then you'll be able to be a blessing to them. And the outcome will be far greater than what you had easily thought. Amen. No matter where we're at or who we are with, we never need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Psalm 51 verse 15 says, Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. I love that. David said, Lord, you got got to impress it upon my heart. (laughs) Open my lips. Give me the confidence to talk. Remember, remember Moses? Moses like, I don't, I stutter. No, man, you got to send my brother Aaron. Lord's like, I'll send Aaron, but you're my man. And I want you to speak. He will give you the speech. He will give you the ability to speak, amen, and not to be ashamed. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. All right. Uh, this morning, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. We'll be going through verses 7 down through 12. Uh, Lord willing, we'll finish the chapter this morning. I've entitled this message, To Oppose God is Foolishness. To Oppose God is Foolishness. Um, So when you get there, again, Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 7 through 12. If you got an old school paperback Bible, take it out. Fiddle through the pages. I love that sound. If not, if you got it on your phone, get on your phone. If not, uh, the scripture will be on uh, the screen behind me. Um, If you're able and... uh, Able body to please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and read our text this morning. I'll pray and then we'll get into the message. 
Once again, Ecclesiastes chapter 6, starting in verse 7, and it says, All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage does the wise man have over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is also vanity and a striving after the wind. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, you've made it and you make it abundantly clear to us that apart from you, we do not know our purpose in life. Apart from you, life is meaningless. Lord, we will seek after fruitless pursuits. And it doesn't matter if they manifest some kind of physical thing that, that we can obtain. It, 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 it all burns away. Your word says that if it's not, if it's not of you, then it's going to burn away when, it's, when the testing of fire comes. So, Father, this morning, help us to focus the eyes of our heart on what's eternal, on what is true, on what is of you, of what is godly, of what is holy and righteous and set apart. Father, we need more of your presence. We need the anointing from you to come down upon us to help us to rightfully divide your word. Give us the ability and the discernment to apply your word to our lives. May we all, each, every every individual in here, including myself, find it important to make this word applicable to our lives today. It can't wait another day. It can't wait till later this afternoon. Help us to see where it fits perfectly for each and every one of us right now. Father, I thank you and I ask this in your wonderful son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, we were reminded that true lasting satisfaction comes from God alone. That apart from him, no one can enjoy anything. You know, the ability to enjoy comes from God. It's a gift of God to, you know, you, you, you get married and you have kids and, and you see your, your newborn and, and the expression on their face and you're filled with joy and you enjoy that. That's a gift from God. That's a gift from God. Do you, do you know that there's, unfortunately, there's some people in this world where a newborn baby comes into the world and it's like Herod. They don't have joy. <laughs> They're not enjoying this baby. They feel threatened by the baby. They don't like the baby. They can't enjoy. So again, just the simple enjoyment of every single little thing that we think is little. Really, they're big things. They're major things. But what the average person thinks is minuscule, the, in, able, the ability to enjoy those things comes from the Lord. But some would say, don't, don't people enjoy sin? I mean, that, that's why they do it. And, and I get it. Yeah, you know, sin is, 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 is appealing for a season and, and, and for a season of life. You, you can enjoy your sin, but in the end, it becomes a bondage that you cannot break and left unchecked your sin, my sin, if not given over to Christ, it will kill you and I. An example of this is uh, if any of you know how the native Alaskan people hunt wolves, if you've ever heard of how they actually hunt wolves, what they will do is they will get a blood soaked 
frozen knife and they will stick it in an ice block and they will leave it out. And this wolf, because it has such an insatiable appetite for blood, the wolf will smell out the, 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 the bloody knife and the wolf will begin to lick and begin to lick and begin to lick. Yeah, ill. Begin to keep licking, wetting that, that, that ice into, until he's actually melted the ice. Now he can get to the blood on that knife. But his appetite is so without restraint that he gets to the point where he's licking the knife. He's actually gorging himself on the knife and he's actually killing himself because he has no restraint. That is a picture of how sin in your life and my life unchecked will end up. Oh, it's cute for a little while. But if you do not give your life over to Christ, you will be so indebted to sin that sin will destroy you. Amen. Amen. We also learned last week that we must be wise, church, in, in the use of our time. And if we're not wise with our time, the scripture last week said that, that we're, we're actually no better off uh, than, a, than a stillborn. Actually, a stillborn baby is better off than us. You could live two lifetimes over and have hundreds of children. But if, if you fail to come to the point in your life where you recognize your sole purpose on this earth is to be reconciled to Jesus Christ, it will have all been for nothing. It will have all been wasted. And it would have been better for a stillborn <laughs> rather than for you to live a long life and not get why you were really here. Today, again, like I said a minute ago, we will look to finish off chapter 6 of this book. Just as God alone grants the power for one to enjoy their lot in life, it is also He alone that knows the end from the beginning. Opposing God is foolishness because created beings like you and myself are powerless against our heavenly Creator. We are because God ultimately knows what's best for us. If we decide to live a life different and away from him, ultimately we will come out on the short end of the stick. That's the reality. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter how prestigious your life seems to be. Doesn't matter how much honor you seem to accumulate in in, in the world or what the world system has to say about you. At the end of your days, you will come out on the short end of the stick if you do not align yourself with Father God through his son, Jesus Christ. We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. Through all the sophistication of life, ultimately... Human beings work for food, but yet our appetites are never satisfied. It's interesting. (laughs) All you need to do is trace it back to the fall of mankind. You see, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating the fruit from the forbidden tree, there were immediate and long-term consequences of their decision. One of the immediate consequences of disobeying God was humans would no longer work effortlessly to enjoy their harvest, but now they must need to labor to earn their food for survival. I could imagine before the fall, it, 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 was, it was painless. It was painless to do the tasks that were asked of Adam, that Adam enjoyed uh, you know what he did and and obviously scripture doesn't talk about it uh specifically 
But I could imagine that, you know, Adam didn't even break a sweat. It was like, what is it, degree? Supposed to not make you sweat? He didn't need that. He didn't need no Old Spice. It wasn't like that. But once the disobedience came in, it all changed. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 tells us, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. And for all the skeptics who would say, oh man, that's just a fairy tale. You know, the scientists have already figured out that every single element in your body has all the same elements that are in the dirt. You look in the dirt and everything that's found in there, that's all found in your body. (laughs) So again... It's another proof that the word of God is real and true. It's not a fairy tale. This is not made up. This is not some make-believe fantasy that people that need a crutch cling to. We all are dependent. Again, it's who are you dependent upon. There was a time about 60 to 100 years ago when, when, when people generally understood the principle of working an honest job to earn a daily wage. There was a time where we're working hard was such a big deal. And, I, and I'm not saying that that's not a, a, a around still, but a lot of our young people, <laughs> they, they don't understand the benefit and the discipline of hard work. Things like the credit card. I think credit cards are good, I get it. But there was a time where it's like, if you wanted it, you had to earn it. You couldn't get it up front. No, man, I can't put it on credit. I can't put it on layaway. I'm dating myself now. You know those jokes? Oh, man, you shop at Kmart. You can't even get layaway at Kmart. But, you know, there was a time where, there was a time where if you didn't have the cash, you're not buying it. And that all goes back to I'm going to save. I'm going to save. I'm going to work hard. And then if I want something, I'm going to get it that way. But as time has gone on, people have become more and more sophisticated. We're sophisticated. That, that, that's, that's the sophistication of everything. You know, sin is sin. It's just more sophisticated now. And, and I'm thankful. Praise God for the technology. I mean, I'm up here. My notes are on an iPad. I'm not going to be like, no, throw, you know, <laughs> do away with technology. But, but we sophisticate things. We make, we, make, uh, we, we make things a certain way. We dress it up and, oh, we're mature and this and that. We're so much better than they were archaic back then. And, you know, and, and, and we're, we're, we're just so more esteemed and, and we're, we're, we're such better people now. And, and we have fancier ways of earning a living And I get it. There are many ways to earn a living to make income. And I'm not saying that those things in and of themselves are bad. But the reality remains. Humanity's primary reason to work is to eat. It's to feed yourself so you can be nourished physically. Because because of the fall, you have to, I have to earn my keep, your keep by the sweat of your brow. That's how you earn a living. That's how you sustain yourself. Not to have uh, prestige and own expensive things. If anything, those are cherries on top for those that obtain those things. But those are not the end-all goal in and of themselves. You see, and at the core of why we must toil in this life is because of the disobedient heart of human beings. That's why. That's why. 
<laughs> because of our waywardness. Because God, in, in all his infinite wisdom and in, in, in all of his love, he had already given the first Adam the means to be able to live in complete, uh, unhindered fellowship with him. But Adam and Eve broke that off. And so God said, because you've done this and you've sinned in my sight, there are consequences. Now you must work hard. How many of you work hard? All your hands should be up because you guys work hard. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you work super hard. And whoever said a stay-at-home mom is not a real job, they do not know what they're talking about. During the pandemic, I had my son. When my wife was still working, I had my son. My daughter was just born. I was on Zoom doing work, and I hated it. I hated it. It was out of control. When my wife goes for a couple hours to the grocery store, I can't deal with it. It's too much. I don't, I, it's hard. It's hard work. It's hard work. But this is, the, this is the whole dilemma. Unless the eyes of our hearts are fixed on Jesus Christ as the source of our lives, we will work all the days of our lives, but our appetites will never be satisfied. Did you hear what I said, church? Unless we fix the eyes of our hearts on Christ and he becomes the priority and he becomes our portion and he becomes the, the one that fulfills us, we will work all of our lives and we will never be satisfied because we're, our, our attention is diverted in the wrong direction. The second main point is this. It is better to have a little and purposely enjoy it than to dream about much but never obtain it. Verse 9 tells us, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is basically telling us that it is better to enjoy whatever you have than to long for all these other things, but never get them. Longing, desiring, wanting, I want more, but you don't even enjoy what you already have. This, this goes on all the time at our house with food. It's like, man, my kids ain't even done with their plate. Talking about, I want more. I want dessert. I'm like, Bro, you didn't even eat everything on your plate, man. Enjoy what's right there, and then you can get more. How, what a shame for us to be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and we're still doing that. <laughs> we don't get it. And we're, we're, we're murmuring. And that's what the children of Israel did. They complained. They murmured. They said, ah, I, it was better when we were slaves, man. At least we had Meat, we had vegetables, it was so great. All we got is this man, I don't even know what to call it. It's this sweet bread. I'm tired of it. And then what happened? The Lord sent quail and they gorged themselves on quail to the point they're like, I can't deal with it. We need to learn to be contented in all circumstances. And again, it goes back to the Lord being our portion. When Jesus Christ is our portion, when Father God is our portion. When we're allowing the Holy Spirit to direct the eyes of our hearts and the intentions of our minds, then we become content and satisfied in Him. No matter if we have a lot or little, but it's when we're, 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 we're all over the place, we begin to be like, I'm not satisfied. It's fighting that flesh. It's fighting that carnal mentality that always wants more. It's like that wolf not knowing when to stop licking that blood-soaked Knife, killing himself. Church, don't kill yourself today. Don't kill yourself needlessly. Know when to quit. Amen? Yeah. 
Unfortunately, we see this painfully affect far too many people. Whenever you and I are trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, you will see this type of problem arise. Again, it truly boils down to a lack of contentment. Whenever we fail to enjoy God with whatever he has richly supplied our lives with, we become discontent. I mean, you can live in a one-room shack and be like, dude, I'm living in a mansion. It's all a matter of perspective, really. It really is. And you could be in a literal mansion on top of that hill over there and be the most discontented person in the world because your perspective is off. When this happens, we start looking to obtain more stuff in order to be content. Oh, if I just have more. Bro, if I just get another pair of Jordans. If I, if I, if I, just, get, if I just get more jewelry. If I, if, I, if I just get another car. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it relatable to you guys. I don't know, I don't know what you guys like. If, if I just get another golf club. If I just get another crocheting needle. Crocheting set. <laughs> I'll be content. If I need new yarn. If I if I could just get if I could just get a, a lifetime uh, sponsorship from Michaels, man, I would just be so content because I'd be able to go every other day whenever I want and see what new items they got, and you know I got all these projects, and I'll be good. What about all that yarn you got in that closet? <laughs> For real, don't say that. I'm not, because uh, she'll roast me on all the things I, I that I'm dealing with. Let's not even go there. <laughs> but 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 church, we must understand that 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 all this stuff and all this obtaining, it, it, it's really just an illusion. It's what Solomon says: chasing after the wind. It's what it is. Unmet expectations are at the heart of discontentment. It's because we have unmet expectations and many times our expectations aren't set properly so we have unmet expectations because our expectations are skewed and they're not based in the biblical truth of what god said for us to have in this world first john chapter 2 verse 15 through 17 tells us plain and clear right do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever so you see that's the battle church that's our battle that's our struggle is to not look to the things of the world not to love the things of the world but to love god and do his will what is, what is his will? His will for you is that you would know him in a fresh way and that, and that your understanding would translate to your actions being changed and conformed to his desires so that you would be a blessing to him and you'd be a blessing to others. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to minister unto the Lord. Well, how do you do that? How do you minister unto the Lord? Like right now in my person, I'm ministering to you, but how do I minister unto the Lord? You minister unto the Lord by how you live. 
by your lifestyle, by how you think, by what you bring about to him. You see, that's why King David, we know he wasn't a perfect man. I mean, he murdered somebody. He had somebody murdered like a weasel way. He didn't even do it himself. He, had, he said, hit, take a hit on Uriah. Took his wife, slept with his wife, had babies with, with, with her. So we know he wasn't a, a perfect man. But the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because when he understood he was in the wrong, he got right with God and he was real. And just like Solomon, he sought after the right things. You see, it's not about the stuff, church. Our prayers should not have anything to do with stuff. Now, the Lord knows we need X, Y, and Z and this, that, and the other. And even when I hear people say, yeah, we need prayer for traveling mercies and this and that. I'm not, I'm not being legalistic. What I'm saying is the weightier matters. The weightier matters. There are some prayers that resonate a whole lot more to God. They just do. What did Solomon say? He said, I don't care about riches, man. I don't care about none of that stuff. I want to know you. I want to be wise. What does the Bible say? A holy fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. When was the last time you prayed for the holy fear of God to come into your heart? Don't answer. That's between you and the Lord. But when was the last time you got real and said, Lord, I just want to know you for you. I'm not trying to ask you for anything. I'm not trying to ask you for stuff. I'm not trying to ask you to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not trying to ask you to bring my family back together, do X, Y, and Z. I just want you. I need you, Lord. I need you to do a work in and through me because I need you. You are my lifeline. I'm depending on you. You are my portion. You are my everything. Do you understand, church? When you get it right with God, everything else falls in line. When we start seeking after all the other stuff, it does not work. And it's not a formula, but this is the biblical way to seek after the Lord, to grab hold of him. You have to grab hold of the Lord, church. Nobody else can do it for you but you. You have to have that desire in your heart to want to know him on such a deep, rich, intimate level. To have deeper revelation of God. That should be the desire of our heart every day. I can guarantee you, church, it's an it's a irrefutable biblical principle. If you would simply just seek he first, the kingdom of heaven, seek him for him. Not for jewels, not for riches, not for fame, not for prestige, not for a position, just for him. Everything else you'll ever need will always be added onto you and you'll never have need of anything. Test the Lord and see that he's good. He says, if you evil men know how to give good gifts to your children, do you not think that your heavenly father knows exactly what you need? I wouldn't shower down all kind of good gifts to you. Again, it's a matter of perspective. That wasn't even in my notes. All right, the third main point is this. To stand in opposition to God is utter foolishness. Hence the title. To oppose God is at the very least horribly audacious of the individual fighting against him. Simply put, do we think that we created ourselves? (laughs) Do we think we put ourselves on this planet? Who do we think we are? Who does men, who does women, who do women think they are to, to oppose God? As if we breathed life into ourselves. Just by the fact that we are created beings should be more than enough to humble us and to bring praise and worship out of our mouths and out of our hearts to bless our creator God. 
But the sad fact is, because of sin in our hearts, we are apart from Christ and darkened in that state without him. And because of the darkened hearts we have inherited from the first Adam, we naturally oppose God and think we know better. That, that's just how we are. It's amazing when I look back at my life and I'm like, man, how stupid was I? How much of a fool was I? How, how lost was I? To live all those years thinking I knew what I was doing, thinking I knew what I was pursuing, and God in his mercifulness and his graciousness said, no, no, son. <laughs> now, I had all kind of consequences I had to suffer. But he said, no, no, son, I love you too much to see your life go down the drain like that. I have such a better purpose for your life. I have so much more for you than what you thought you were pursuing. It was all wrong. It was what we just talked about. It was all worldly. It had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It had nothing to do with eternity. It had everything to do with the here and now. The Bible is clear that before we were saved, we were actually enemies of God. Romans chapter 8 verses 6 and 7 tells us, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. That's crazy. That apart from Christ intervening in your life, you can't even submit. That's why you can't get mad at cats that are not saved. And the Bible says one plants, someone else waters, but it is God alone who brings the increase. So when you're witnessing, you can't be getting all mad. I can't be getting all mad and depressed. Oh, man, my witness is horrible. No, nah, man. They, can't, they cannot respond unless the Holy Spirit comes in and interjects and causes a resurrection in them. It cannot happen in and of themselves. They just don't have the ability to. None of us do. So if you're in this building today, and, 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 and I don't know where everyone's at, but if at some point in your life the lights clicked in your heart of hearts and you recognize who Christ was, you better count yourself a miracle. You better count it a great blessing that the Lord has opened up the eyes of your heart to see the truth for what it is because there are so many people that are going to hell, that are on that broad road that do not know. And they can't. We talked about this last week. Like, you can't just come in here. Like, you have to be drawn. <laughs> there ain't nothing special about this building. This is a, this is a business building. <laughs> There's nothing special about it. Who cares about all the little trinkets and gizmos and gadgets? It's, it's whatever. It's you. You are the church. The Lord draws people to himself. He says, my, my sheep hear my voice and they come. So if you're here this morning, you're here, not a circumstance, not a, not a consequence. You're here because the Holy Spirit's drawing you here Amen. to himself. Not for nobody else. Not for me. Don't make it about the pastor. Don't make it about the coffee. Don't make it about the donuts. Don't make it about the children's ministry. Don't make it about all that other stuff. Make it about Christ. Make it about Father God. He's got something for you specifically. And if you don't think like that, then you're missing the picture and you're not going to get what he intended for you to get this morning. You see, we are not in control, even though we may allow ourselves to be deceived into thinking that we are. If it's hot in here, can somebody turn that AC? Can someone pop that AC? I mean, I know this thing looks like it's from the 60s, but somebody crank that thing up, man. 
I always, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, but I put out like 60, 59, because I'm burning up. But I mean, think about it, seriously. God is working. The, the, rea- the reality is, right, no one asked to be created, yet we were all given the gift of life. You're in here today, you have the gift of life. Like, you didn't ask to be here. You didn't ask to be born into this world, but you're here. You didn't ask to be born into the family you were born into, but you're blessed to be a part of that family, no matter how crazy that family is. We all got dysfunctional families. It is what it is. Just look at the Bible. Yeah, look at the Bible, and you'll find, man, ain't, whatever you're going through, it ain't nothing new under the sun. They done did it way back in the day when they didn't have Levi's, and they didn't have all these other clubs. They were, they were still wilding out, so don't worry about that. Ultimately, the only thing you and I do have control over is how we use our free will. How you use your free will, that's really all you have control over. We can either use it to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ and humble ourselves under his mighty hand, or we can use our free will to rebel and oppose him. But fighting against God is the most foolish decision one could ever make. It's not even an uphill battle opposing God. It's just completely useless. It's pointless because you never win against God. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 30 says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. I don't know how much clearer he had to make it for for the readers of the Bible, but is it nothing, nothing, nothing opposing God will ever, ever, uh, you know, prevail. So, you know, when you think about what's going on in the world today and the climate of the world and all the things going on, do not get discouraged, church. The Bible says in one day, all the remnant of Israel will be saved. One day. So you have, you know, all this stuff's going on in the Middle East. But ask the Lord, okay, what do you want me to do? (laughs) How do you want me to live in my sphere of influence? How can I be a greater blessing in my own personal community? Because we're not over there, but you're over here. And you could do something over here because you're still alive. And like we've talked about many times, the only reason why you and I are still breathing is because the Lord sees it fit to keep you and I alive to get something out of us, which is adoration and glory to him and to be a blessing to those around us and to be heralds and tell everybody we come across, hey, man, come over. There was a man I saw at the loop. He was getting a coffee. I said, man, I'll buy you coffee, man. Come to the church house. His name was Hollis. I don't see him here, but I said, man, come through. It was like 950. I said, come through now, man. And that's how our mentality should be, church. Not that I'm trying to buy his coffee to get him to come in. I would just try to pay it forward and do a you know good thing. But I say, hey, man, you need Christ. You need Jesus. Come through. Come through. That's why we're here, church. All right, let's go ahead and, and get into the heart of this message now. Um, we're going back to the uh, verses 7 and 9, and, it, and I'll read it again for context. It says, all the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct his life uh, himself before the living better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite this also is vanity and a striving after the wind okay so this first statement all the labor of man is for his mouth and and yet the soul is not satisfied we talked about this uh to 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 a quick point but i'll I'll get a, a little more in depth here again man works for the very bread he eats everything that everything we work hard for is to sustain ourselves But yet our soul is never satisfied. 
We see this in everyday living. (laughs) How many times have you heard someone who's had just about every single physical thing that the eyes can can see, and yet they claim that they still have something missing? They're like, I got all this stuff, man. I got all this stuff. I mean, I see these, you know, these, you know, what is it, the HDTV shows, and I'm like, man, I got these walk-in closets, and I'm like, bro, you got all, or, you know, whatever, woman, man, whatever, they got all these clothes and suits and shoes and, man, all that. Big old house, man, big old cars and, you know, family, big family, and, like, not satisfied, not happy. Something's missing. The Rolling Stones sang about it back in the day. This is before my time. My parents probably heard this, but I can't get no satisfaction. What, what, what was he really talking about? We don't need to get into what he was really talking about, but either way, he wasn't satisfied. Couldn't get no satisfaction. I'm not satisfied. The lust of the flesh didn't satisfy my, my insatiable appetite. I can't get enough. I'm not satisfied with it. Again, musicians from just about every genre down through history Somebody sings about this, sings about not being satisfied, not not being fulfilled. Here is an excerpt from an article entitled, Who Actually Feels Satisfied About Their Money from the Atlantic? It says, these days, not even the rich feel rich. According to a recent survey by the financial advisory firm Ameriprise Financial, only 13% of American millionaires classify themselves as wealthy. What? What? You're a millionaire? And only 13% of these cats say they're wealthy? I got millions, but I ain't wealthy. Even some of those surveyed who had more than $5 million across their bank accounts, investments, and retirement accounts said they didn't feel rich. If multimillionaires don't feel wealthy, who does? End quote. You see, there's something seriously wrong with that line of thinking. But if you don't have Christ, no wonder why you don't feel rich. Because your, your wealth is tied up in things that, that are, that, that, that are going to rust and moth are going to eat. They're not in true riches. They're not in true riches. Do you ever see that about a, a, a true Christian? No matter what their age, no matter what their, 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 their circumstances, they have a countenance about themselves. There's a glow about a real Christian. And they're still good. <laughs> but then you have somebody who's not saved, an unregenerate soul, and they can have all the things money could offer. And there is a darkness upon their lives. There is an ugly, casted shadow around them. They don't have peace. And they don't have joy. And they don't have love. You and I, church, want to seek after the true riches. This, again, proves the word of God to be completely true. There is more to life than merely meeting our physical needs. An example of this, Solomon sensed what Moses had already said. Man does not live by bread alone. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 tells us, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word 
that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That, 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 that tells us how important the Word of God is. That is the most important book you will ever crack open, you will ever stick your nose in. I don't care what degree you're going after, and I'm not speaking bad on going to college. Go to college, get your BA, get your master's, get your whatever. Go to community college, get your AA. But the most important book you're ever going to read is the Bible. Jesus also spoke about this in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan and he rebuked Satan. Remember Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, speaking of Jesus, answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You want to know the key to living a successful life? Be aware of what the Word of God says and apply it to your life. Live by biblical principles and you will always be victorious. You may not always feel victorious. Your circumstances may not broadcast that you're victorious because I'm not painting a fake picture here. Your circumstances may not ever change. Your circumstances actually may get worse. But you are still victorious in Christ. But you got to have the discernment to see it that way. If you're ba- the Bible says, walk by faith and not by sight. If you're walking by sight and you're like, man, oh, okay, because you're walking by sight. You need to walk by faith and be like, man, I know that I know that I know that I know that Christ my Lord is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Satan, get under my feet. Get behind me. That's how you got to live, church. Again, what is at the root word of disciple? Discipline. You and I have to discipline ourselves daily. We have to discipline ourselves. It takes discipline to be a real solid Christian. Not some mamsy pamsy, oh, I just hoot and holler and all that nonsense. No. I'm talking about when the rubber meets the road, like J. Vernon McGee would say, you're actually going to apply the biblical principles to your life when you're tested, when you're tempted, every day, all day. That's how you live a victorious Christian life. Any other way, you're not going to be victorious. But he tells us right here. Jesus said, man, I'm not living by food alone. I'm living by every single word that comes out of the mouth of God. The application is this. We will never be satisfied apart from Jesus Christ. It's clear from the text. If all of our work is for the food we eat, yet we are never satisfied, what does that mean? (laughs) Because our, our stomachs are only so big, and, and I can only eat so much at a time. I mean, Thanksgiving, y'all know. I mean, see, nowadays, it's like, so we go to my mother-in-law's house, and I'm like, okay, babe, I need, like, small portions of everything, because really, it need to be all meat on one plate and all everything else on another plate, but whatever, don't work out like that. But I got to have a little bit of everything, and then I'm good. But it's like... You can only get so full. If I keep eating and eating and gorging myself, I'm going to pop. I'm going to make myself, I'm going to give, I'm going to hurt myself. It's not going to be pretty, you know? So it means that the, the longing of our eternal souls can only be fulfilled with the spiritual nourishment that Christ provides. That's what it means. That's why we need to, it needs, it needs to go deeper than just trying to be satisfied by mere, my, mere physical bread. The next statement we see here is, for what advantage has the wise man over the fool? The truth is, wisdom itself can't fill a hungry man's stomach either. Even though it seems that the wise man is superior compared to the fool, 
The reality is they both get hungry. (laughs) Being wise isn't as much of an advantage as commonly thought. Think about it. The necessities necessities of life are, are, are both the same for both individuals, the fool and the wise. And their condition is nearly similar. Both are liable to the same disease, uh, the same ability to be disillusioned by by falsehood. They are uh, susceptible to the same problems, and they are both for sure susceptible to death. The next statement we see, it says, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is also vanity and a striving after the wind. Uh, This is an important key to, to, to pinpoint here, church, because... It, it helps us understand being fulfilled and, and satisfied in this life. We need to seek the Lord and set aside time to spend with him daily. You see, we have to do this. This is part of being intentional. This is part of being disciplined. We need to set aside the time. Every believer should have quiet time set aside daily, ready to speak to and hear from God. It just, it's just what it is. We do. We need it. It's not enough to just go through the hustle and bustle and just be like, you know, I hear from the Lord. Yeah, you can hear from the Lord, but you need to set aside time. Because some would say, well, can't God speak to me while I'm washing the dishes? Can't God speak to me when I'm driving? Can't God speak to me when I'm making dinner, etc.? Of course. Of course he can. And he will. But it's a whole other thing to actually set aside time daily to speak to him face to face and be still before God. You see, the more that you and I are intentional about spending quality time with God, the more fulfilled we will become because we're investing in our relationship with God. Again, we must realize that God alone is our source of joy. When you and I are in a proper relationship, when we are in proper fellowship with him, we lack no good thing. Psalm 34 verses 10 through 11 tells us the young lion suffers want and hunger but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Do you see that, church? If you seek after God, you're never going to lack anything. If you seek after God, he's going to teach you to fear him. Maybe you don't have a, a holy fear of God right now. But if you seek God, he'll teach you. Trust me, he'll teach you. He'll show you. <laughs> You'll be like, man, dude, I'm not doing that. I'm not going anywhere. Like, I know I'm not going to the drinking hall. No, I ain't going to. No, I ain't going to no strip club. No, I ain't hanging out with you, bro. No, I ain't trying to play Texas Hold'em. I ain't trying to get. No, I ain't doing none of that because I care too much of my soul and I want to fear the Lord. And I ain't doing that because I know I'm going to bring a curse upon my life. Don't play with God, church. Don't play with God. Because he is a gentleman, but if he got to come in and bring that holy stick, he will whack you one with that holy stick. <laughs> Trust me, I've been taken to the woodshed many times, and it ain't fun. God gives his gifts within the intimate relationship we have with him. Don't miss that. That's where you get it. It's not a genie in a lamp, man. You can't just rub him and think Aladdin's going to pop out and he's going to bless you. No, it's in the intimate times with God that you get blessed. The, the, the intimacy of your relationship with, with Father God through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, unlocks the floodgates of heaven to shower upon you blessing upon blessing upon blessing. 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's how it happens. But there's got to be the intention on our part. Because the Bible is clear, no one seeks God. But James 4.8 tells us, uh, the flip side of that coin is, if, if, if you seek after God, he will draw near to you. So how does that work? Well, it's like, you got to be fed up with your circumstance and seek after the Lord. As long as you're content in your circumstance, you ain't going to seek after God. That's, that's for all of us. If we're content just doing the run of the mill and the bills are paid and I'm skating by with my little time and this and that, then we're not going to, you know. But when we're pushed into a corner and the bottom drops out, then it's another story. Many times that's what has to happen to a lot of us. All hell has to break loose in our lives before we truly seek after God. Better late than never. But be wise. Learn, learn, from, learn from the men in the Bible and the women of the Bible. Don't, don't go through all the things they went through to figure it out. That's why the pages of Scripture are here for us, church. And for us, it's even worse for us because we absolutely have no excuse. Back then, David had like a few Scripture. And everything was passed down through family. Through, through, it, it, was or, it, it, it was audible, right? It was tradition. But we, we got all these. I mean, we got all these fancy, nice. I mean, look at the binding. Look at the name on there, you know. I mean... <laughs> We, we got all these Bibles, man. We got to put them to use, church. We got to put the scripture to use. It's, it's the word of God. It's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts to the heart. It cuts to the, t- it cuts to the soul. It gets to the heart of every circumstance or situation. You see, God alone has the power to, to, to gift us what, what truly will build a life of satisfying and, and, and content, con, con, contentment and fulfillment. He gives that. He helps you and I be content. The application is this. It's not wrong to work or eat, nor is it a sin to, to have desires in and of themselves. You see, working and eating and having desires can be quite enjoyable and profitable. But if that is all we do, we merely exist at an animal level. If, if that's all we're doing, we're existing at a base level. You know, we're just carnal. We're just carnal. It's just sensual. Everything's about what I can see, what I can touch, what I can taste, what I can smell. There's more than your five senses, church. There's more to life than that. We must do something with our lives that is positive and purposeful and conforms to God's purpose or we will waste our lives achieving nothing within his purpose. He has a purpose for every single one of us here. I don't care who you are. I don't care what Satan has told you. I don't care where you're at in your life and all you think, oh man, I'm... No. You have a purpose in Christ Jesus. You just have to identify it and then you got to walk in obedience. (laughs) That's the main thing is being is recognizing it and then saying, "Okay, Lord, you said go there, go there. If he said go down to that 7-Eleven, go talk to that dude right there. Go tell him, hey, man, we're going to hang out. Tell him, man, the Lord told me pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And you say, yeah, I hear you, Lord. But, uh, man, I'm supposed to go hook up with Johnny. And you buck out and don't do it. Then don't you shouldn't even question why you're not blessed. But if he tells you go do it, then do it. I mean, I just had a situation with my son this morning, you know, eight years old, and he was singing some song. I was like, what in the world are you singing? Bro, you better not. So we don't play it up in my house. I don't know what you're singing. That's worldly. That's demonic. Don't sing it. And I kind of got on him, and then he got, he tried to get, you know, and we had our little thing. And I was like, I'm not budging. (laughs) I told him, no, son. I said, this is my responsibility to show you and point you in the right direction. But he was mad. He was upset. But then the Lord showed me 
you know, your son's not the enemy. Satan's the enemy. Satan is that demonic spirit that's behind what's going on here because Satan wants to make both of y'all frustrated. My son was bitter. I mean, he was crying. He was up. He was crying like, you know, the mad, angry cry. I'm like, you ain't going to shut me up, son. <laughs> I was like, that was a I'm just keeping it uh, 100 with y'all. That That's what the conversation was. I said, you're not shutting me up. I'm telling you right now. I'm calling it what it is. That was not OK. We're not doing it. But then the Lord showed me you need to pray. And so, you know, my son wasn't happy. I said, I'm going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray. I said, because Satan wants you mad. He wants me mad. I said, I'm not mad. I understand. We're going to pray. He didn't want me to lay hands on him. I said, I'm laying hands on you. I'm transferring the blessing to you. I'm laying hands on you regardless. He was still grumbling. But the whole point is I was obedient. I could have just stormed out of there and been like, man, I got to set up the pulpit, this and that. And then I wouldn't even be able to preach. You know how many times that happens to me where it's like something happens and it's like I got to (laughs) submit. I got to surrender my heart over and I got to humble myself because if I don't do it, then there's no effectiveness. And then it's like I don't even want to be here. It's like I just want to go home. Because I'm not right. You know, it's happened with me and my wife. I got to get right with my wife. It happens all the time. This is just life. This is just, this is how we roll, church. This is how we operate. This is how it goes. But if you humble yourself, that's where the power is. And the Lord will ignite you in such a way. He'll use you in a mighty way because you have a, the whole point. My whole point was you have purpose. It's not about me. I'm just sharing this story to kind of paint the illustration. But you have purpose. Find your purpose in Christ. And follow hard after him and and obtain him and work it out. Amen. Amen. That is what verse 9 is talking about. We are part of God's spiritual creation. A person spiritually created in the image of God must not drift, but be deliberate in choosing to live for goals far higher. Goals that God establishes. That's why, again, it's not what you desire. When the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart. No, and I talk about it all the time. He ain't going to give you no Maserati. <laughs> I mean, he may, but it, that, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what it is. He, he's going he's gonna to literally change the direction of your desires, and he's going to give you the desires that are, are, are in line with him for his purpose for your life. And then you're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I want that. <laughs> I want peace. I want love. I want joy. I want wisdom. I want to have a holy fear of you. I want to be a blessing to those around me. I want, to, I want to experience the supernatural power of God right now. I want to experience the supernatural anointing upon my life. That like Peter, man, I just walk, man, and by my shadow because the Holy Spirit's heavy in my life, man. People are blessed. That's what. You want to have the wisdom to see through, not necessarily a person, but the circumstance. And be like, I see it from far off. Satan, I see you from afar off. No, you're not going to get me. I ain't going there. That's what you want, church. Those are the desires he's going to give you. It is the upward call upon our lives. It is the hardest thing you'll ever do. But the reward of peace with our creator is the best thing we could ever possibly obtain. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 tells us, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Once again, material things in and of themselves cannot make life richly satisfying. A Christian's life must be rightly balanced towards his or her relationship with God, and they must strive to follow God by living in the same loving manner as Jesus Christ did. Amen? All right, two more verses and we're done. It says, Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with 
one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity, and what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? All right, we see this statement, whatever has come to be has already been named. This is a direct view of God's sovereignty. What is sovereignty? Well, the definition of sovereignty is this, supreme power and authority, simply put. The idea is that God is in complete control. He's never caught off guard. Nobody's twisting his arm. Nobody's, nobody's you know, doing anything like that. He's all powerful. And because he's all powerful, he's already named it. He's already named it. It's already, it's already done. You see, who you are is what you are. And nothing or no one in the world can change that. You were born into the exact point in history that he wanted you to be born in. You weren't supposed to be born in, in 1614. You know what I mean? You weren't supposed to be born in, in you know, 580 BC. You're born whenever you're born and you're here right now, 2020. Three, about to be 24, and, and, and that's what it is. You were born to the exact parents he wanted you to be brought into the world from. There's no coincidence. I don't care what the background is. I don't care if your parents were married. I don't care if your parents weren't married. I don't care if you were born out of wedlock. You were born precisely how the Lord saw fit. The time of your death will be exactly the time God has set for you to depart from this earth. The application is this. Since God is supreme, he has surely predestined everything and has made humans too weak to resist. That's what our, our, our portion of scripture in context is talking about in his sovereignty. No one can resist him. No one can, can win against him. You see, reasoning, complaining, and arguing bring no answers and only lead to further frustration. People that are, oh, oh, we've all been there. And some people are still there. Oh, God, if you're so good, why? Do not say that. Do not come to the Lord and do that. It's better to say, what do you want me to learn? What am I missing, God? What am I not getting? Show me crystal clear so I understand what you want from me. That, that's a way better approach. But to go doing the Motumbo finger wag, that's not, the, I, wouldn't, I would not endorse that one bit. You see, unfortunately, all too often, we see this kind of behavior playing out in the lives of people. Frustrated with the way God has set the boundaries on morality and right and wrong, people rebel. They say, you know, yeah, I believe it's wrong for you to sleep with your dad. And I think it's bad to sleep with your sister. And I think it's bad to sleep with animals and bestiality. But if you're homosexual, I don't agree with that. I'm just, the Bible, you either accept the whole counsel of the Bible or don't take nothing at all. People are all into taking bits and pieces and saying, I agree with this. I agree with this. I agree with this. But that right there, that, 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 that just rubs me the wrong way. God, if you're such a good God, you just got to know where we all have love in our hearts. No, we don't. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked, man, and evil and sinful. There ain't nothing good in any of us apart from Christ. Amen. Amen. 
You see, thinking we know better, we disregard the truth given to us and go our own way to our own demise. The Bible is clear. Romans chapter 3 verse 11 and 12 tells us, No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Aren't you so glad Jesus Christ is merciful? (laughs) Because that's a hardcore statement right there. Like, if you're not regenerated and somebody just come in here off the street and if they're just like, man, messed up and they hear that, they're like, but it's like God in his mercy. Got to get the context. God in his mercy, even though we were like that in a messed up, broken state, he said, "Nah, man, I'm going to pull you out of the muck and the mire. I'm going to make you right. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to make you a new creation and you're going to be able to seek me. You're going to be able to honor me. Remember, right? The grace is not a license to sin. Grace is so I'm like, I'm high stepping, I'm Heisman and out of all that. I'm not, you know, I don't want to get anywhere near there. Not not see how how close I can get to sin because I'm saved. So I'm still going to dabble. It's like that is the worst kind of life to live as a Christian. Don't live that way. Don't live that way because you're just going to get burned. Stay clear away from sin as you possibly can. And and, and more, more importantly, not even the exterior sins, but the inner sins, the sins of our heart. The wickedness in our own heart, right? Because we already know that the external sins are a manifestation of what's already going on in our heart. So if our hearts are wrong, then we're going to manifest all kind of horrible sins on the outside. But if our hearts are right before the Lord, then we're not going to be doing dumb, stupid stuff, right? That's just what it is, church. It literally takes the person of the Holy Spirit to come into our being so that we can witness the sovereignty of God and realize the frailty of ourselves, It is in that encounter that we are in a position to be saved forever, changed and made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Next, we see he is not able to dispute with him who is mightier than he. Solomon's greatest frustration. Remember, Solomon was the one who was inspired to pen this whole book. His frustration was rooted in the understanding that man is man and God is God. And man can never successfully contend with him because God is mightier than he. Many today still refuse to acknowledge this fact. They think that when they face God, they'll actually contend with him and tell God a thing or two. Like, I'm going to tell God something. Bad idea, man. Fall on your face, prostrate. That's what all the old timers did in the Bible, man. They came before the angel of the Lord and they were just, boom, hit the deck, man. Hit the deck, man. You see, they are seriously sad and deluded. The only person in scripture to ever wrestle with God and win was Jacob. But Jacob at that point in his life, was not in opposition to God. Rather, he was submitting to the rule and authority as, of God as king and, 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 and the leader of his life. We must understand the context of what went on and why God decided to bless Jacob. You see, the name Jacob means to follow behind, but it can also mean to supplant or overreach. The majority of Jacob's life was marked by trouble and strife. I mean, he was a swindler. He was a conniver. He was a deceiver. Remember at birth, Jacob had grabbed the heel of his older brother Esau, revealing his overambitious nature. He would go on to trick his older brother into him giving up his birthright. Jacob was a con artist who had been conned. He was a liar who had been lied to by his uncle. He was a manipulator who had been manipulated. Fast forward years later, and Jacob had been estranged from his brother Esau, and they were about to cross paths. We know this account, right? I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing to speed it up. 
Esau had sent 400 of his men ready to kill Jacob. I mean, Esau was hot. He's like, dude, you you did this to me. I'm going to get you. Fearful for his life, Jacob would send ahead gifts to Esau, hoping he would receive them and be appeased. Uh, Jacob took 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 female sheep, 20 male sheep. He then took 30 camels and their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. If you're wondering why, what's up with all the animals, well, back in the day day, that was a lot of money. That was wealth. That was currency. So that was a big deal. Later that night, Jacob and Esau did receive that, and they were reconciled. Later that night, Jacob was alone in the desert wilderness. Jacob had the ultimate restless night. A stranger visited Jacob, and they wrestled throughout the night until daybreak, at which point the stranger crippled Jacob with the blow to his hip. And Jacob continued to hold on. He must have known that there was something supernatural about this stranger because he demanded a blessing from him. Genesis chapter 32, verse 26 says, Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The stranger then gave Jacob a new name, Israel, which likely means he struggles with God. Genesis chapter 32, verse 28 says, Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Don't miss this church. The reason why God blessed Jacob was because Jacob was desperate for God. Jacob was separated from all others and from his worldly possessions. Jacob was simply seeking God for who God was, not for the stuff, not for what he could give him, just so he could be in the presence of God and have his peace, his love, and his joy. How many of us are today are seeking God merely to know him better? Again, are we praying for weightier things? Like Solomon, do we want wisdom above riches and honor? Do we pray for a deeper revelation of him and to know God in a more intimate way? Is God the apple of our eye? You see, it was only after Jacob wrestled with God and ceased his struggling, realizing that he could no longer go on without God, that he actually received God's blessing. And that's the same for you and me today. Um, I have one more point and I'll end, you know, in a minute. So uh, Michelle and Isaiah can come up in a, in a moment, whatever. The more words, the more vanity. How is man the better? Again, a life lived only for material things has been gained is like a game that could never be won. A genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, having true peace with Father God through the power of the Holy Spirit is the only way a life of real satisfaction can actually be lived. We must ask ourselves the questions. What are we truly hungering and thirsting for? Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 tells us, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see, church, apart from God, there are too many things that increased vanity that ultimately do us more harm than good. The application is this. The more a person possesses, the more profoundly conscious they become of the vanity of it all. And we see here it says, for who knows what is good for man? We often think we know what's good for us. Well, I should do this because this is good for me. But do we really know? In the course of life, which is better? Wealth or poverty? Health or sickness? Fame or obscurity? Many who have what is commonly thought of as good are no better off for it. And lastly, we see all the days of his vain life, which he passes like a, which passes like a shadow. Who can tell a man what will happen to him after Uh, him under the sun Solomon looked at life and it seemed vain like a shadow he looked at death and saw only darkness and uncertainty 
To this point, there is little relief from this tragedy of a meaningless life, and then there's death under the sun. This is the reality, church. If you do not know Jesus Christ, this is very depressing, and the future is uncertain at best. Again, the whole point is we must see that Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the world and through the word in his gospel. The understanding of immortality was at best cloudy in the Old Testament, but is much clearer in the New Testament. This is where Solomon is coming from, speaking from the Old Testament. For us today, we have absolutely, again, no excuse because we have the full counsel of God. We have the Old and the New Testament to pull from. It's written down in the Holy Canon of Scripture. So may we be those who take advantage of the opportunities given to us in this life to give all of our all to Christ and be fulfilled in his presence. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for just your presence, Lord. The fact that you truly do reveal yourself to mankind and you want everyone to be saved. We know that not everyone is going to be saved, but your desire is that no one would perish. So today, if we hear your voice, may we not harden our hearts. May we be right with you. May we do business with you. Lord, may we allow ourselves to come into agreement with you and come out of agreement with the enemy of our souls. Father, I ask that you would just do a mighty work in and through your people. And may we trust you and know you in a more deeper and intimate way. Father, I'd also like to take this time to just pray for uh, communion, Lord. And and Lord, uh, I don't ever want it to become a thing we just do every week. We offer these elements because we see it important that people would be able to have personal time with you, to do business with you. But may we never go flippantly and just casually to that table. Because if we do, we're actually bringing judgment upon ourselves. May we allow you to search our hearts. And, and if there's anything that's not in alignment with you, if we're sinning and, and we're unconf- it's unconfessed sin, may we confess it to you before we go take the cracker and take the juice. It's foolishness on our part if we, if we don't do business with you. So, Father, I pray that you will bless that time. May it be a rich time. May it be a, a time of regeneration of the spirit and that we would just be right with you knowing that uh, you'll never leave us or forsake us. I pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.